Well, hello there, Richard Tubb here with a new episode of Tub Talk, the podcast for IT consultants. And today we're going to be talking about health and wellness. At the time of recording, it is January 2023. Many of us, uh, our thoughts turn to looking after ourselves, New Year's resolutions, all of that type of thing. So I want to start the conversation really by saying something that many, many years ago, one of my mentors said to me, he said, Richard, anytime you think you're too busy to take care of yourself, just remember being dead is bad for business. Quite a morbid uh, phrase, but I totally got what he meant. In other words, you know, health has got to be top of mind. So today I'm joined by my great friend and indeed my personal health coach, Dave Algio. Now, Dave is known to many as the stressed guru. He's the founder of the Midlife Reshape Academy. And I turned 46 this year, so I guess I could be termed in my midlife, arguably. Um, I think that midlife can often be a time when we realize that we may have taken our eye off our health in order to rise to meet the demands of life and our goals. Well, the good news is that it's never too late to refocus, regain former health levels, and indeed exceed them. Even achieving goals we think about of our reach, and that is exactly what Dave specializes in helping people with. So Dave is here today to share his experience with us to help us get back on track. Dave, welcome to Tub Talk. Hello, how are you doing? Nice to be here, and thank you for thinking of me for this uh, the the podcast. It's great to be here, mate. Oh well, I've listened to your podcast for well the longest time, and you and I have been friends. We both live in the northeast of England, and that's where we uh, we came across each other's work and got to know one another. Um, and you speak to so many incredible uh, sort of health professionals and people associated with the health industry on your podcast. So maybe before we jump in, just give a shout out for that podcast, because many people who listen to this are avid podcast listeners. Tell us more about your podcast. Yeah, it was originally called The Sprout Sweater, which we'll probably get into why, but it's yeah. now The Restless Midlifer and has been for about eight months. Um, we're on their episode 90 now. Um, and exactly that. It, for me, The Restless Midlifer is about trying to tap into that spirit of adventure that many of us as midlifers probably feel like we've lost. <laughs> so it's about exploring that. But particularly, I find the foundation around health is a brilliant place to start. So we, we do spend a lot of time focusing on that area, you know, on the podcast with great guests. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So it's an honor to have you on my podcast to talk about things. But for people who are not familiar with your work, uh, what's your background and what led you to work in the area of, can I call it physical and mental health? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I suppose it really is that two things really. I managed, I've managed anxiety or it managed me in the early, in the early years for, for personally for a long time. Um, it was only when I realized that I am not my anxiety that I uh, started to manage myself better. And that has always been a fascination for me. But then as a police officer for 20 odd years in Durham, doing lots of different things from family liaison on murder inquiry um, to uh, being a sergeant and in various different roles, leading teams and dealing with all sorts of things. Um, it, it's always struck me just how people, people have an amazing, we have an amazing, we're human beings, we have an amazing capacity to cope. But for me, it's what we do in order to cope that is the issue because many of us can slide into, and I'm certainly one of them, um, slide into the more negative coping strategies than positive. And that's what's fascinated with me. We've, um, we're amazing, but we can sometimes undermine our health medium to long term because of what we do in order to get through the moments that are tough in life, et cetera, et cetera. And that's where really my my formative interest in, in the mind in particular, because for me, it's, it's not about the stress in a way. It's about 
how we deal with things and how does that then get in the way of where we want to be, the life we want to live, what we want to enjoy in life, you know? So I then developed the speaking and training business. Um, and more recently, because of that fascination and just diving more sort of, I guess, zooming in on health, particularly because I'm a midlife, I'm probably well into midlife now. Um, it's become a real fascination for me because of the birth of my third child, Rosie. Uh, she's seven now. I was 45 when she was born. Don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I'm knackered. But the point <laughs> is, I remember thinking when she was born that, you know what, it, when she turns 21, I'm going to be 66 if I'm here. Because that tra the trajectory at that time wasn't great. I was, I was working a lot in the business. I'd left the police by then. Um, I was teaching stress, but still working long hours, not looking after myself physically, all of those things. And I thought, need to sort this out. I want to be, and, and I set that vision for myself. I want to be fitter and stronger at 66 than I am or was at 45. Now, admittedly, the bar was low, <laughs> but that's what drives me and it gives me a direction of travel. And, and as I've developed that journey myself, being on fads, this, tried that, as I have throughout life, I've come to realise that the quick fix, the all or nothing doesn't work. So what does? And that's what drives me in terms of the the fascination around habit formation, all of that, which we'll no doubt get into. And that's really the core element of how can we as midlifers, we're already snowed under, we're already busy, particularly, you know, the, the areas that your listeners work in and the, the businesses that run, the, the, the things they're juggling is, you know, giving them a, a, a 10 point or a 100 point plan doesn't cut it. So how do we do that when we've got enough on our plate? And still yet make progress in the right direction for our health or, you know, move away from the, the negative side of it. So that's really what drives me, I guess. Yeah. Now, I mentioned I'm 46 years old at the time of recording, 47 in 2023. Um, you know, the listeners to this podcast, the, you know, the IT professionals, that the owners of IT businesses, managed service provider businesses, broad generalization here, uh, but they tend to be. Uh, men tend to be our sort of age, uh, Dave. Uh, and, you know, anecdotally, I found this, and I think most people that I speak to, they don't need to look after their health too much in their 20s. Mm -hmm. And I say that like with tongue in cheek, because they can just spring back and bounce back from it. So I, I speak to people at conferences and things like that. And they're, you know, they're working long hours, they're partying and things like that. And I was like, oh, I remember what it was like when I was 25 and I could get away with that. So we're not saying that's healthy, but then I've spoken to more and more and more people around my age. And it seems to happen from sort of 30 plus onwards, ekes in. And you just can't get away with it anymore. You need to start looking after yourself because otherwise you either spend all of your hours working and then just slump at the end of the day and spend no time with friends and family, um, or indeed something catastrophic happens, which has happened to, to a number of friends, uh, myself and others as well. So let's start at the beginning there's going to be a lot of people listening to this podcast while they're out for a walk or while they're driving to work. MSPs, IT professionals, they're typically very time poor. They've got lots of demands on them. So how do you, Dave, approach working with clients who are time poor, perhaps even overwhelmed, perhaps feeling close to burnout? Where on earth do you start with that type of person? Yeah, I totally resonate with the bounce back thing. I think that's one of the challenges with midlife is firstly is that we don't have with the physical element and sort of less forgiving. The good news I get or, or the challenge, well, in answer to the question as an overview, I start where they're at. 
in that um, I don't start with, right, you need to do this, that, and the other. I start where they're at, try and suss that out. But if they were if they were sort of listening, think, where do I start myself? The, 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 the principles, because everybody's life is mixed up with different things, the principles are first create a little bit of space, headspace, just, and I don't... I don't mean in order to go meditate or something like that. That can come later. Just the space to perhaps that walk, but after the podcast, just turn it off for 10 minutes and have some silence. And that can be uncomfortable, but the space to allow the the thoughts and feelings just to percolate. Because what you find is we're so full on. Life is so full on. There is so much going in. There's so much input. And we're putting a lot out. But what we often don't do is just stop the inputs and the outputs and just re- work out what, what we're feeling and thinking. And it's amazing what, just five, 10 minutes of, of quiet time without trying to do anything like um, meditation or anything like that. And I'm a big fan of it. But before you get there, just let those thoughts percolate. It's amazing what comes to the surface. And the good news is really starting small. It's about, well, what one small change can I what make? You know, what what's one small thing? And that can vary. Um, for me, when I work with people, it's usually around <clears throat> classically around building in some breaks and hard stops in the day where you can have that. Yeah. Um, sleep. I know that we'll get on to sleep, but sleep is a, a classic because for many of us, it's just not at the quality we like. And we can stress out about how much quality that sleep is, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so it's usually focused around those areas and just getting outside a little bit more. Um, whatever the weather, you know, as long as there's a bit of daylight, even the dark's fine because you've got fresh air, but out in the daylight with a bit of um, bundled up if the weather's not great, even for 10 minutes can just work wonders in starting the journey. And I think that's the thing. I think of it as a journey that never ends, really. You just, you're trying to, if you think about uh, a tanker out at sea, it doesn't just turn on a pin, does it? (laughs) It kind of takes, I'm no expert, but 10, 15 miles to turn. And but once once it's moving, it's turning, it's starting to head towards the direction it's decided, the direction of travel. And it can take all the time it wants or it needs, but that's its direction of travel. And it's the same for us as human beings. If we're moving in the wrong direction or a direction that isn't great for us, the first thing is just take some space, slow it down, and start to think about what might be that direction of travel. And for me, that was, do you know what? I want to change things around. So I'm there at 66, lifting my daughter up, who's 21, chucking her up at a party, whatever it is. Um, so starting to think about why this matters to you, big picture. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we can get into detail about that. But I think that's the first step is just slow it down, let the thoughts percolate up and start to touch base with those things. That makes so much sense because, yeah, I think a lot of our listeners will be so busy doing that they haven't got time to think about where they're going. So thank you uh, for those <laughs> listening to take the time out to listen to this important topic. And just a thought on technology. And and like me, Dave, you're a big technology, uh, dare I say geek? Uh, you yeah, love your yeah, tech, same as me. Yeah. You're also a productivity nerd, a little bit like yeah. me, aren't you? Yeah. You love being efficient and doing things. Something uh, I've um, adopted over the past few years, and it's to do with working hard, but also taking a break, is the Pomodoro technique. Uh, yes. that I think you're familiar with as well. Pomodoro, for anyone listening, is, you know, like the Italian slice of tomato. And, and basically what I do, Dave, is I, you know, I set a timer with some music on in the background. I use um, an app called Brain.fm that works really well for me. You know, and I know I know you're a, you love the, uh, the apps the same as lots of our <laughs> listeners, but I set it for 25 minutes. I do the work for 25 minutes 
um, and then I take a break. And what I do during the break is I get up and I go for a walk around the block or if I'm really busy, at least I just go outside and walk around the garden or stretch my legs or whatever. And again, the reason I mention this is it's really productive to be rested and to give yourself time to think as well because you can get more done so going back to what i said right at the top of the air my mentor said being dead is bad for business because we said that tongue-in-cheek but as we go through this episode the whole idea that dave and i want to get across here is you've got to look after yourself to be able to be as productive and as driven and to grow your business and everything else you are the you are the instrument that's going to drive it forward so dave you know pomodoro technique taking time out you've just mentioned it's really important how what does your day look like in terms of sort of productivity and balancing looking after yourself Mm. It's interesting because, uh, you know, although I'm a bit of a geek about it, I still get it wrong and I still catch myself in some of my um, my really embedded habits, like all or nothing perfectionism. So I'm constantly at work with that. Um, so, but and I because I'm a nerd and a geek, I can overcomplicate things and just go down rabbit holes and different apps. So I need to catch myself. But on on a general day, I have my um, I have my, I suppose it's called a morning routine. I mm. kind of shy away from that because I think there's 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 the, there's almost a religious fervor around some of that. Agreed. But for me, I I, I remember writing an article about um, are you a diesel or a petrol engine? Um, and I'm kind of harking back to when you know a petrol engine you could just start the car and drive off. Diesel engine you used to have to turn the key and let the wait till the yellow bulb went out, which meant the oil or whatever was in it. Because I'm not a mechanic warmed up enough to move the car now in terms of morning routines i'm definitely a diesel engine i need to have that warm-up time so for me i get up um and i don't plan particular activities i just put the kettle on have an instant cup of coffee because it's easier and i'll sit for 10 minutes of quiet no agenda no nothing and have that surface whatever that comes up and it's amazing it's amazing how that can help you think hang on a minute what what I planned today, that's not really going to give me the best payoff. Do you know what I mean? It's not giving me the most bang for my buck or I need to touch base with such and such. There's an idea and you come up with all sorts, but it just warms me up for the day and then move in, get, the, get Rosie off to school because that's inevitably part of the routine. And for me, what I've done is I've developed a little routine of once I've dropped Rosie off, I head off to CrossFit because CrossFit is something that I find is really, really good for fitness for me because of that and the community around it. So I go there and then come back and typically start my work day just after that. Um, but that's when I start, I, I start with blocks, time blocks. And I'm sure it's probably something if you've, if you, cause I know you, I know it's something that's close to your heart as well. Um, you probably talked about it before, but I kind of put the big important blocks in first, the stuff that I don't want to do perhaps, or that needs my most focus and energy at that point, because I know I drift off towards the afternoon yeah. um, and then move into the lower activity. But what I do is build in space as well, you know, the white space so that I can do that, just step outside and stare at the, the sky, whatever, go for a walk, you know. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that answers the question, but I try to maintain that. Some days it doesn't go like that, obviously. What I tend to spot is if it's more than a couple of days or it's a week, it's I know that it's not necessarily the, the stuff out there, it's me 
losing sense of what my priority is, getting overcomplicated, falling back into all or nothing and that kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. So there is, I mean, there's a reality of demands that, you know, life's full on, there's loads, but it's for me, what I am interested in myself and working with other people is what goes on under the hood, you know, in the head. What are we, what are those old narratives that we tell ourselves about ourselves, about what we should do, sense of duty, drive, what we were told, you know, you're only worthy if you've got this or earned that or doing this, that kind of thing. And how do those those narratives serve us? Because they can often be the unco- the the backseat driver that's telling you, you go here, do that. You must do that. You have to do that, you know? So yeah. it's kind of spotting those things. Yeah. One of the reasons I love working with you, Dave, is that you're, first of all, you're so um, open and honest about your own journey uh, through this. So you mentioned CrossFit a little bit earlier. We'll talk about that, but that's <laughs> a, new, a fairly new thing for you, isn't it, uh, uh, that, that you're doing? And, you know, a lot of, what you've shared, uh, and I say this, and I hope this comes across as a compliment and not a, a, a diminution or anything, but you're a normal bloke, aren't you? And you speak, you know, to other normal uh, uh, men and women about these uh, situations. And quite often we see people, you know, they might say, oh, yeah, you need to you need to run a marathon or you need to take up CrossFit or you need to do this, you need to do that. And it's like, you know, they look good. They've got shining teeth. Uh, (laughs) They say all the right things. What I love about the work that you do, not that your teeth aren't great, Dave, but, um, you know, you speak to the average person on the street. You speak to uh, uh, people like myself who perhaps have uh, wrestled with, uh, you know, uh, the weight fluctuating, going up and down. We'll talk about that. So, um, but yeah, I guess I want to get into a little bit more. We we just talked about, uh, you know, people ignoring the signs of poor health because they feel they can't slow down. Um, Work is too busy. What are some of the other ways that you can suggest that listeners can juggle work or business demands and look after their health? Yeah, well, I guess I'm going to have to bring them in. And I know this is a visual thing, but you can also imagine it, the cabbage and the sprout. So Dave's holding up a cabbage and a sprout. sprout. If you ever see Dave speaking, by the way, you'll get used to this. This is not just for for my benefit. Think um, Cracker Jack, you know, that's where the idea came from, the Cabbages and Kings game in Cracker Jack years ago, showing me age here again. But the point of it is, what what we, when life is full on and we are, you know, busy um, working away at the cabbages, they're the demands, they're the goals, they're the things we need to do. And the sprouts are these sprout-sized actions that we do, you know, I mean, a phone call here, write that, do this. We can get swamped with them. And... Um, this is why I like metaphors, because I think sometimes we just need to jar our thinking a little bit out of that so that we can we can make that different choice in a given moment. Because we can get, you know, a big pile of cabbages fall on us and we can get sort of smothered by them. And and it, with that, we then can start the negative self-talk, the kinds of thing, oh, I'm not good enough. I have to keep working, just keep working or, you know, all of that self-cabotage, as I call it, um, plays into it. So as well as that taking time, what I um, what I, I kind of encourage people to do is start to recognize when you're in that that mode of being feeling just burned out or, or, or weighed down by the cabbages and in these sort of spinning cycles, spin cycles of just just got to keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, um, because very often um, it's a case of who says who says you have to keep going. You know, it's mm. a case of. when we're in a state of stress, everything becomes a a serious, life-threatening state of emergency. Um, And that's a natural thing for stress, you know, under, you know, fight or flight. When we're in that state, 
we're hyper vigilant to to it. So we start to adapt as if everything's a threat, everything's a must do. Because if I don't deal with it, it's going to kill me, type of thing. Um, so it's kind of recognizing when we're in that mindset to then start pretty much kind of stepping away. So again, it comes back to time and space. Give yourself two minutes, 30 minutes out. I often talk about a rescue breath um, and kind of just step away, put the kettle on and take a breath just to sort of reconnect with your your physical body. Because one of the things is we get locked in our head. You know, it's natural if you're sitting at the computer and you're working with the keyboard, you feel a stiff neck, you'll kind of just sit back and stretch your neck and, and just stretch off a bit. But what we often don't do is recognize when we're stiff in our head, you know, when we're locked mm. in. And the best way to get out of your head is get into your body and just move a little bit um, and just move to physically shift and shape things up, you know? Yeah. Um, so, again, what was the question again? Because I, I, I think I partly answered, but I haven't fully answered you it. You did. Yet. Well, you know, uh, for, for people who perhaps are ignoring the signs of poor yes, health. Right. Because, so I mentioned at the top of our conversation, when I was in my 20s, I could, you know, it wasn't good, but I could ignore the signs of poor health because you could just motor on and my body sort of bounced back. But perhaps a lot of our listeners, I hope I'm not offended our listeners when I talk about a uh, stereotypical uh, uh, IT business owner, but a lot of our listeners perhaps won't be bouncing back and are ignoring those signs of poor health. Work's too busy. What's some of the ways that they can juggle work demands and look after their health? Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I guess that's where I was going with the sprout was two two things. One is to um, take stock at the beginning of the NDV day, sort of book in, uh, bookend your day, sorry. have a, I like to think of them as an opening and closing ceremony, not an Olympic-style ceremony, but like an opening. <laughs> so on the morning, you have that 10 minutes just to go, right, what's today about where I'm at? And just check in on what you think you're going to achieve that day or what you feel you have to do. And just ask yourself that question, who says? Who says I have to get this done or do that and achieve that and blah, blah, blah. And does it have to be done today, I guess? The closing ceremony idea is, to, again, just to close the loops on the day when you've finished your work or, you know, preferably not long after work when you're downing tools, just to close the loops on it is just to get it out of your head. Um, because I, there's, I've kind of taken David Allen's getting things done quotes in his book to simplify down to, if it's on your mind, it has your mind. Mm. So we need to get it off our mind. So that approach, the opening and closing ceremony is just to get it out of our mind for the day, but then plan your opening ceremony for the next day, right? Tomorrow is what I'm going to do. And that gives you check-in points, a two key bit parts of your day. You can build them in during the day, and I do recommend that, but check-in points for five, 10 minutes each morning and evening, open and close, where you can just check, offload, allow the thoughts to surface, to just check in, am I expecting too much here? Actually, is that my, is that my cabbage? No, it might be somebody else's cabbage. Who says I have to de de deal with that cabbage? And then kind of start to get that. In terms of then introducing new, new things, if we can create a little bit of space, because I think the key thing is what can I put down first? Um, David Wilkinson, who's a friend, a friend of mine, I don't know if you know him as a coach, he, he, he that's one of his phrases is, before I get people to, to, to pick something new up, I get them to look at what they can put down. And I love mm. that approach because how many of us are carrying cabbages you know, that could be a work demand, a life demand. It could be a psychological pressure you're putting on yourself. I have to do that. I must get this finished. I have to, must, all these things. I should, should's another word, isn't it? Yeah. And actually, if we take those moments, morning and evening, open, close, and check-ins during the day, you know, your Pomodoro potentially, where you take a couple of minutes. Is this a cabbage I need to be working on today? Is this really, you know, necessary? Is it moving me in the direction of my goals? Or is it a smelly cabbage that really does need dealing with? And can I put it down? Can I delegate it? I have like a little um, mantra in myself, S-Dads, which is 
simplify because I am a bugger for overcomplicating things. So first I start with how, what it's the Tim Ferriss question of what would this look like if it's simple? Yeah. And that's amazing. If you think, right. Particularly if you're prone to overcomplicating things or needing like me going down a rabbit hole as a nerd. Um, what's the simple version of this? What would this look like? And if I can simplify it, great. But then the DAD is ditch. Do I need to do this cabbage? A, for the nerds out there is automate. <laughs> is there ways to automate it? And there's plenty of ways to do that or even part of a task or a thing to automate it. Then the, the next D is delegate. And the reason delegate is next is because it's pointless, uh, pointless delegating something you could have ditched or automated. Yeah. So delegate is, is it my cabbage? Can I outsource it? Can I pass that on? And if you're feeling like you can't, is that more about the task can't be delegated or my need to keep a hold of it and control? Again, that comes back to the psychology. And then I finish again with yes, <laughs> because it goes back to simplify, because simplify, simplify, simplify. Um, and it's one of my three words, as I, I pointed out for the year, is, is for me is to remember to keep it simple, simplify wherever possible. So if we can put things down, if we can create that space, there's a start. And all we need, we don't, you know, if we're thinking, oh, there's loads, I can't, all we need is to put one cabbage down or slicing that cabbage one sprout sized or two couple of sprout sized tasks or, or 10 minutes here and there to start to create a bit of breathing space. And that's where the sprout comes back in. Because the sprout rep represents those sprout-sized habits, rituals, routines, tasks, periods of time, five minutes, 10 minutes. And this is the big thing about habits, because I've done about you. And this is why it took me a while. I've, I've done it through all my life. I don't, I've bought into, you know, oh, you, you, you've got to high this, low that, eat this, measure that, low carb, low calorie, high calorie, whatever it is. You know, the, there's almost religions about uh, around a lot of these things. And I understand it. And I've bought into a lot of that because it seemed very simple. And it's really, it's really interesting because the more pressure we are under, and this is on a global basis as, a, as human beings, but as individuals, the more pressure we feel, the more we are drawn to certainty and clear instructions and guidelines. Why we move close more to people who look like they're in charge and know what they're doing. Charismatic people who say, even though they don't know what they're doing, they give us that sense of comfort. So it's no wonder we buy into those things. But the problem with them is they're too rigid, they require too much, and they deny the reality of life. Because, <laughs> you know, you have to, you have to flip and empty your cupboards, um, buy in healthy food, structure this meal, that meal at all these times. And then life just rolls back in, doesn't it? And sneaking stuff, let's get a takeaway, you know, because it just doesn't work. So it took me a while to get it. And, and this is where the sprout comes in because the sprout sized habits is where we start. So I often, and as we've talked about is what's one thing we can do? What's one thing? And it might be sleep or it might be getting out more. Okay. So if it's that one thing, let's say a walk, because we talked about that, you know, get out for some fresh air. Okay. Rather than thinking, right, I need to get out for a good hour, get out some fresh air, whatever. Let's shrink that down to a sprout sized habit of a sprout sized action, if you like, of 10 minutes, five minutes, step out the door and just look at the sky. And it sounds a bit silly and trivial. And how, what's the point of that? But the thing about habits, and we know this from research, is that, um, the, the all or nothing doesn't work because what we do is we try to do it, do it as much and as, as full on as we can and to the best of a quality we can. So we need to park quality and perfection. We need to park time and full on and just come back to, let's imagine it as a seed and just plant the seed yes. and let it take root. And in order to take root, we've got to be gentle with it. We've got to weed around it. We've got to 
pour a little bit of water on, let the rain take care of it. We've got to give it space and let it grow and embed. And at some point, will naturally increase. At some point, we'll maybe make it 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever. We then might add another block in somewhere else where we think, right, yeah, I'm going to introduce a no snack rule between such and such, something like that. But we start small and focus on that because you've already got enough on your mind. So you really, when your head is battered, you need to create a bit of space, but then you don't want to fill it with loads of good stuff. Mm. All you're doing is add more stress back in. Um, we just add one thing. And that one thing is easier to hang on to and, and keep a hold of throughout your day. Even that could be challenging. Let's be right. You know, with permission to be human, it's, it's hard at times, isn't it? Just to, get, to stick to even one thing. It's bloody hard. But <laughs> yes. we can come back to one thing, not a hundred things when we when we make a mistake, you know? Yeah, that makes so powerful, makes a lot of sense. And I think for any listeners who are also visual uh, people, mm-hmm. I'd highly recommend go and check out a video that Dave's got with his uh, lovely daughter, uh, Rosie, where Rosie is carrying the cabbages. I'll say no more about that, but we'll include that in the show notes for this day. But that's a wonderful video. And I also, again, want to stress to, you know, to listeners here, uh, this is a show about health and well-being. And yet, no surprise, we've talked about productivity. So these two things aren't mutually incompatible. In fact, they layer onto one another. And, you know, you've heard Dave talk about David Allen um, uh, and many of our uh, special guests on the show speak about David Allen and GTD. If you're intrigued with that, David's a personal hero of mine, and I interviewed him for episode 50 of Tub Talk. We'll include a link to that and the GTD getting things done philosophy there. But let's move forward. Let's talk about, I was going to say the elephant in the room, but sometimes it can feel that way, weight. Mm. I'm overweight at the moment, which is, you know, I've had a couple of years of bad health and uh, and, uh, and not keeping an eye on things, as I think many people have, what with the, the pandemic and everything else that's been going on. But anyway, I'm overweight, I'll say that openly, which is why you and I started uh, work together, even though we were friends before. I'm pleased to say I'm now dropping weight. And as a result, I've seen my blood pressure drop, I've seen my energy increase, many other benefits. Duh, who knew? <laughs> but Dave, what is the key to weight loss? Yeah, I think the first thing to say is it's not all about the weight loss, but it is a natural thing in the world that we're in that when we get older, the body gets less forgiven. Plus we're in an environment where it's so easy um, to eat more and we've just got a lot more on our mind. So it's natural. So it's permission to be human. Let's just, let's not beat ourselves up about it. That's where I'm at. I'm kind of, I, I, I've conceptualized the journey uh, in three phases. This is not a scientific model. This is the way I would work in terms of when I'm coaching people or working through myself. The first phase is that first two or three stone or more that you might have. The middle phase is the the next two or three stone. And the last phase is that kind of last mile, I would guess, the last one or two stone that you might have in the journey. And the reason I do that is because there's different mindsets and challenges and psychological frustrations, all sorts that can get in the way. And it's not, it's not they're not unique to each stage, but you have to address each one, you know? So I'm definitely in the, the, the latter I would, I mean, I've been on a journey. Um, I would say I'm in that last mile. I don't know if anybody's done the North Run, Great North Run. When you're looking along the coastline, uh, and this is years ago, but you, you see the finish line, it seems to get no closer. Yes. <laughs> and it feels like that and that. So that's a challenge there. But when you're saying what, what are the fundamentals, the fundamentals coming back to, and this is why I often say um, the phrase, it's not about the diet. And I'll get into that. But the point I say that is because once you understand the fundamentals and park all of the, 
the religion, the strong beliefs about what you should, etc. And don't get me wrong, if you know, if you are, say a vegetarian or vegan for reasons, then you know we, that's part of it, or religious reasons. There's lots of reasons why we do it, um, and that's re- we've got to respect that and build it into our life. But the basic is energy and energy out. Um, in terms of it, if we are in an energy and energy out deficit, uh, sorry, as in there's less energy in than energy out, then we will lose weight. That sounds dead easy. But if we strip away all of the shoulds, coulds, and what you have to do, that's the fundamental. Doing it in a sustainable way rather than doing it in an extreme way because the extreme way is not sustainable. And that's where typically diets that recommend, you know, I don't know about you, have you ever read books where they say this is not a diet book and then it goes on to be a diet book? Yes, it's a diet book. Yeah. What is that about? They're all like that. Or maybe I'm being unfair because there aren't, there's a few that aren't. But the point of it is they often stretch that gap to an unsustainable level. Yes. And there's lots of reasons why we fight back physical and psychological, which is where the it's not about the diet comes in because you could pick any diet, you could change a diet um, from, you could do keto one week, carnivore the next, vegan the next. You could you pick what you want so long as you're in that calorie deficit. But it's more than that. It's about what goes on in here in the brain. So if we can get that gap to something sustainable where, you know, my I remember doing yoga a good few years ago and the yoga teacher used to say, what you want to do when you're stretching and just reaching out and doing what you do in the moves is dance along the edge of discomfort. And I love that phrase because that's what we're trying to find. And this is where experiments and and experiment, getting experimental with our sprouts, as I call it, kind of helps is find that bit where you know you're on, you're you're managing, not that you're on a diet, but you're managing yourself and trying to build healthy routines, but it's not purgatory. And it's also not close enough that, you know, one kind of slip can tip you over the edge the other way, you know? So we, that's, that's the challenge, I guess. Um, So that's the fundamentals, I guess. But the it's not about the diet comes back to actually where it's all at is in here, isn't it? You know, managing the yeah. physical state because your physical body will resist losing weight because, you know, we've evolved in the places in, in times when food was rare. Um, we had to eat when it was there and take advantage of it, store it and then use it on, you know, during long periods, et cetera, of fasting or just food shortage. That's what we've evolved to do. But we don't live in that environment now. We live in, um, I think it's Lane Norton calls it a, an obesogenic environment. Mm. Don't even know, even know it's a real word. But the point of that is saying that, you know, as you know, there's just so much there, so available. You walk down in, in any store, it's a hardware store, it's got chocolate on the counter. Um, you know, there's all sorts, the, the supermarkets, blaring at you takeaways are so easy there's so much there so it's how do we manage ourselves physically in that and that's when it comes into the psychology and the emotions and that's the challenge and that's where i love to work and it's what what i've certainly um i'm on my journey and this is what has driven me in terms of what i do and what i talk about in the restless midlifer you know yeah and you've gone through operation demoob <laughs> yes still on it still on it it's we it's, should explain uh, that perhaps yes okay yes, yes let's explain that. Who, uh we're like what <laughs> yeah well it's a funny thing isn't it because um moobs that man boobs thing it, you know I, I was reluctant a little bit to use it for two reasons one i thought well you know, it's a bit embarrassing admitting you, you know, that kind of thing, but also because of, I don't want to put it on to anybody that's a bad thing, et cetera. But I just thought it's an interesting hook for me um, in that as I am sort of on my journey and the CrossFit is, is for me is playing into that in that 
I've been on the, I've been to CrossFit for years, but I never, it never really clicked until probably the last 18 months. Um, and as I lost the weight, I've started a plateau a bit. And whilst I'm happy, I'm healthy, I'm a lot fitter than I was. So I'm happier in the safety and the health measures. I just want to see what it's like to like feel like I've got pecs. Do you, do you know what the pecs and that? No, so I I'm don't, not there no, yet. No, I don't know, Dave. No. <laughs> no. Well, I don't think I had when I was, you know, stick thin at whatever age it was. I didn't have pecs because that wasn't the thing then. You know, you just tin ribs, I think it was called at one point as a little kid. Um, but I was always prone to being overweight um throughout life so so for me it's to see whether you know not to see whether to move in that direction um of just losing a little bit more weight and i'm not talking about six pack abs and all of that because i because to be fair i don't want to live the kind of life i'd have to live to get to that point but what i can do is take a long view and think right i can just keep doing what i'm doing tweak up here and there um, get over the plateaus and move towards that, you know? So that's the Operation D-Move in a nutshell. And I've got a little, my plan, which I've shared in the podcast, my cabbage slice and sprout plan, that kind of thing to move me that way. We'll include all of the links to everything that Dave's mentioned and, and myself has mentioned in the uh, show notes uh, for this. I want to pick up on something that we've touched upon earlier on, you know, and that is perhaps when you know the right thing to do, hmm but then life work overtakes you. So I mentioned energy levels earlier on. <laughs> Dave, you know, I've written a book called The IT Business Owner's Survival Guide, which is aimed at, you know, our listeners who are perhaps need to get out from under. And there's a whole dedicated lot of advice in there to managing your energy. And yet, and yet, Dave, last year, I stepped back from a number of activities because I was suffering from fatigue. I've been going too hard for too long. Mm. So if I know everything that needs to be done and still, you know, and I've written a book about it and it happens to me. What advice would you give to anyone listening who knows the right things to do, but gets swept up in work? Because in the IT industry, in the managed service provider industry, it is a reactive or responsive industry. It's all too easy to put your own plans to one side, to put your own uh, goals to one side to meet somebody else's expectations. So tell us what we what can we do when we know what to do and we just don't do it. Yeah, I, th I think that's the that's the that is the key issue, um, particularly around health, diet, etc. We we kind we know there's lots of confusion out there, but we know, but it's it's making it happen. So I think the key things are, and I you know I find myself losing threads and getting swept away as well. Um, I think the key thing is have touch points. Right. Okay. No, let, let, let's wind it back. So, so in terms of it, it's starting to build, have that longer term direction of travel. I like to call it, you know, your longer term vision. So for me, I want to be fitter at 66 when I'm, uh, than, than when I was at 45. Now that was something that came to me in a moment. I haven't thought in detail about it. It was a gut reaction. And I think that many of us probably have that idea of what, what, what do I aspire to in life and in health? And what am I most afraid is likely to happen if I don't change things? So that is a good question. What's my aspiration and my fear there? And ask yourself those questions because you don't need to spend a lot of time to reflect on that. You might do if you want to fine tune it, but you, at the end of the day, you just need a good feel of actually, am I heading in the direction I need to head? Yes or no? Um, and if the answer is no, what would it look like? What's the aspiration? So for me, it was that um, 66 fit, etc. And then come back. So I'm working backwards to what you practically do on a day, but I think it helps to have a direction. I always talk about a direction of travel and making sure you're heading that way. Come back to what could be a shorter term goal to work towards, because that aspiration 66 is too far away. 
You know, I would think, well, yeah, I'll wait till I'm about 62 and I'll do something about it then. That's not really the the, the point of it. You so make it into it a future David's problem. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> future David, who's probably, well, God knows what state he would be in. If he's God knows. <laughs> no, but so bring it back to something shorter term. And for me, that's at the moment, it's Operation DMOOB. Um, and then from that point, and again, that was just an idea, right? I know, good feeling. I know what I'd like to do. I'd like to just lose that little bit more weight, bring the cholesterol down to, because that, that's been the, one of the journeys that I had. I had a, quite a high cholesterol a good few years ago, which was another kick up the backside round about the time when Rosie was born. Um, and that's come down nicely, but it needs to come down just a bit more, just into the, the uh, it's already in the safer levels, but I just want it down. So that, so bringing that down, Operation D-Move is about, um, for me, then developing the plan. And my cabbage slice and sprout plan, again, I try to get it just very rough. That's the goal. What are the three elements? And for me, it's eat, move, and rest. So the eat is, uh, so I have one one goal, three slices, and then three sprout-sized actions for each. So the three sprout-sized actions for eat are um, to, uh, for me to break my fast breakfast just a little bit later in the day, 10, 11 o'clock. Um, to cut down on the, uh, sorry, to increase the protein in my meals, because I think typically, and this is not nutritional advice per se, it's just typically it's easier to eat breads, carbs, and stuff like that. Yes. And as we are midlife and older, um, you know, we need to protect the muscles and the joints and protein as a key building block, and we typically undereat that. So more protein and then really less snacking reduce that snacking or replace it with something that's perhaps a little bit more protein, et cetera, you know? So, so those are my three there three, and I can go on the others, but the point is I just roughly get that there, but then what I don't do is try to do it all at once. I try to think, well, what's the first sprout sized habit I need to get in? Right. Like, do you know what? I'll probably just check, test out the, the the one that's easiest win is the, probably the later breakfast. Cause that kind of works for me. Just the routines I've got, I'll take Rosie, go to the gym and then I can, I can have something after that. That's great. So you pick your quick wins and move. What that relies on, it goes back to your question about getting swept up. And I think it's important to have a direction of travel because if you get swept up, you need to be able to say, right, am I heading in that direction or am I moving away or right. am I veered off? So we need a direction of travel in order to then on the day that we're feeling swept up or the week where I think, geez, I've lost, I've just totally lost the plot this week. <laughs> we need to go, right, okay. And that's where your morning, your open closing ceremonies can come in handy. Or for me, just a touch point in your day or a touch point in your week. So at the very least, have a weekly half hour. That doesn't have to be half hour, but a weekly touch point where you just go, right, what's happening? Am I, how am I getting on? So touch points are just a place to stop. And this is the, this is the thing, because I think, we we are busy, we're full on. Um, but I often use the example of um, in some of the NHS trusts, um, I've worked with a lot of them over the years, and uh, one of them introduced, they told me about what they have is a stop moment okay. in their ER. So they have these moments where it's, you know, it is critical. Somebody's into resource, et cetera. It's a critical emergency, seconds count. But what they've come to introduce is even in those moments, before they start to get down to it, they have a stop moment. Mm. And that stop moment is to go, right, okay. How's everybody? Are we all clear? Do we know what we're doing? Are you there? Are you ready? And check. Go to it. And what they've found is that those stop moments are invaluable because what we inevitably do, and this is human beings, is we are driven along by the stress to act and actually act you know, action is really powerful and positive, but if you're acting in the wrong way or you're making a mistake, 
more action is going to move you away from your goal and make things worse. So it's about having stop moments. If I was to boil it down to one thing, where, and this is just listen to me, where in your day can you build in two or three stop moments? Mm. What You know, three stop moments, like the meatloaf song says, two out of three and bad. Two stop <laughs> moments in your day, open and closing ceremony for five minutes at morning and evening are stop moments where you can go, right, sip that cover, whatever, and just think, right, where am I at? What am I doing? Okay, what's my what's what am I trying to achieve again in my goal? And I, I'm talking predominantly about a health goal here, but it could be a business goal, it could be anything. But what am I trying to achieve? And just touch base with it. And and what am I what have I got on today? Right, is that you know, am I sweating the right sprouts as I'd call it today? Is is what I'm doing today going to count? Is it going to put out a fire that needs to be put out, and or is it going to move me in the right direction? I love that. That concept of stop moments. I'm thinking, you know, when I ran my managed service provider uh, business and we had an incident, a critical incident at a client and the service delivery team, you know, jumped into action. The concept of stopping to say, right, have we got what we need? Do we know what we're doing? Let's go. Super powerful. Thank you for for sharing that with us, uh, Dave. Something that sprung to mind as well, and without going off at too much of a tangent, technology. Um, many people have maybe, you know, they pause. I'm not going to say stop moments, but they pause during the day. And what do they do? They reach for their phone to look at messages and this, that, and the other. So you're not really stopping at all there, are you? So when you're talking about stop moments, you really are. You're not saying, right, I'm going to check in on messages. I'm going to look at my emails. That's a pause moment, isn't it? A stop moment is, uh, as you say, sitting there and taking stock. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I, it's worth really when when you are, if you are thinking right, I will have a stop moment. Is to make it clear in your own mind that that what a stop moment is and what it's not. Yes, because that is not a stop moment. And actually, funny enough, one of my clients uh, we we're talking about this um, the other day, and we were talking about the routine of I think yeah, it was waking up first thing on the morning, grabbing the phone. I mean, how many of us do that? I do that. I can do uh, wordle. Terrible, terrible habit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so to stop that 20 minutes or 15 minutes of scrolling and doing something is a is a big is, is a big ask sometimes you know sometimes we can some of us you know depending on where we're at we can go right i'm just going to stop doing it. it works it might work in that but not work for that but stopping something dead could be really hard mm. so what we talked about was temptation bundling it's called it have you come across that phrase um, no i haven't economics phrase but it, it and i think it's used in psychology as well but the point of it is that you you bundle a couple of things together, but one of them is the thing you want to introduce, the new habit, the new thing, and you reward yourself or you put something familiar in with it, but after. So you actually, it's like a if this, then that, or a conditional thing. Yeah. So the condition is, I still have 10 minutes on my phone doing Wordle. So I do this on a morning. So I, I still go on Wordle. I've deleted a lot of other games because I'd crept back up with some of the games. But Wordle on a morning is my thing. But I get up, go down, put the coffee on, don't bring my phone downstairs, have a 10 minutes and then I'll do me Wordle as a bit of a treat after. Right. Yeah. You see what I mean? So I'm not stopping dead the thing. So the difference between a stop moment and that kind of thing is be very clear about it, but it doesn't mean you have to stop the fun because don't get me wrong, social media and all of that gets a bad rap and rightly so in so many ways. But at the same time, 10 minutes just to go and not think is really can be really useful. But what we're talking about here is how do I take a moment to just clear my head and think, am I moving in the right direction here? And is what I'm doing or planning to do 
is it the right thing? Am I going to be sweating the right sprouts right now to deal with something important in the business or and or for my health? That's yeah. all the stop moment's really about, touch base for it. We can get into th- the power of journaling, the power of uh, meditation, those kinds of things, which are really useful. But if you're struggling to do that, setting about, right, I'm going to meditate every day can be a big ask, you know, yeah. especially if you bring it like, you know, I need to empty my head and you bring all the perfectionistic expectations to meditation, for example. Um, it's a real challenge and we end up giving up before we've started. Yes. So let's start with a stop moment, ironically. <laughs> mm, really interesting. And I think if I share some of my experience here of creating those stop moments, especially in the morning, I'm a big fan of that that concept of win the morning, win the day. Yeah. You know, and too often when I was running the MSP business, I would do what I know so many of our listeners do because I speak to you and I'm like, oh, please don't do that. They say, I'm just going to check my emails to see if there's any emergencies. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, what you're actually, what I've learned is actually happening there is you're letting somebody else dictate your day to you. And before you know it, you've been swept away by the day. So what I do, Dave, now, um, uh, and, and this is another thing, I don't rely on willpower uh, anymore because I know the right thing to do. But if, I'm fe- if I've am if i had a rough night's sleep or whatever, I might think, oh, I'll just have a look at social media. I'll just check my emails. So I use technology to help me. So I use a tool called AppBlock for Android uh, phones. Um, and again, we'll include links to this in the show notes. There's a, a, an app called Freedom uh, for iOS users as well. Mm-hmm. And it blocks me from opening those apps at certain points in the day. So even if my willpower doesn't work and I load, uh, I switch the phone on, and by the way, I leave my smartphone in another room so I can't just reach for it from bed. I've got to get out of bed and go downstairs to turn it on. But even if I do break the good habit and think, oh, I'll just have a quick look at my email, it pops up and it speaks to me in the third person and it says, Richard, you've got better things to do with your day go and meditate, go and read a book, go and take a walk. Don't do your emails. So uh, uh, App Block and Freedom are two apps that work really well for me. Mm. Let, let's build on top of that then. Let's, can we talk about habits for a moment? We've touched around this, and I think we've already given a lot of good advice around habits. Your training, Dave, has taught me a real, a great deal about triggers, responses, and systems. We've alluded to all of these things now. But in a nutshell, could you explain how can a good habit become ingrained in our minds? Yeah. Now, again, the ingrained kind of is a, it's a, it's an interesting word because the habits, it's funny how the bad habits always seem to be the ones that get ingrained and stick and we can veer off, but seem to come back to. And, and often it's because of the anatomy of the habit. And often this is where the challenge is with the good habit. So as far as we can get them ingrained, we kind of, there's a, there's some, we can learn a lot from the bad habits, should we say? So if you think about the anatomy of a habit, there's a trigger, action, reward. I'm grossly oversimplifying this, but I think it's useful to see it this way because this is kind of how it works, you know? So trigger, action, reward. The trigger is the thing. It might be a thought. It might be a time of day. It might be a place. It might be a smell. It might be what you've just done directly before um, that triggers the action. So it might be, yeah, I'm using a possible, an example um that you know if you're a former smoker might recognize you you finish a meal and it's that that's a signal to light up you know um and the trigger is the finish the meal the action is the light up then you get the reward whatever that you know that action gives you whether it's physiologically sensory whatever it is you know so we have the trigger action reward and 
in terms of it, that, that smoking is an example of that because you've got strong triggers because they're built around taking a fag break, taking this this time of day, um, a feeling of stress or tension. You know, there's lots of different things that can trigger. The action is well-practiced, well-embedded by the time we get there. And the reward is very, it's both physiological, emotional, and you've also got the side issue of you've taken five minutes away from whatever to have the cigarette. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So it's really strongly embedded, which is why it can be a real challenge and to, to sort of break that habit. But if we look at it from a good habits um, perspective, it's then looking at right what triggers could help me kick into a new habit are there some existing habits where i can keep the trigger and change out the action so potentially i don't know social media could be one you know you have 10 minutes of whatever you wake up and you pick the phone up well you've got the trigger because that's waking up how can i just build in another action in between before uh it could be before or instead of so you've got the action then what's the reward and that's where often we've got a stark difference between the immediate reward of, say, having a cigarette or something and what might be a longer-term reward of doing that, 10 minutes of checking in. No, because it, it's not sexy and it doesn't kind of in, give you instant gratification in the same way. Although it can, because it can pay off the thing, you know, very quickly you can find there's something about that routine that really helps me. So that can happen. But the reward bit is where we need to do a little bit extra work and acknowledge and celebrate. And this sounds a bit, you know, I kind of, when I was reading this, the research around this, I was kind of thinking, really? We've got to celebrate this? But actually the celebration is kind of creating the positive affect and emotion around the completion of the habit to embolster it. So when we're talking about positive habits, it's about where can I, what's the trigger? Um, what action am I trying to do? Keep it sprout sized for goodness sake when we're starting it. And then how do I create a reward and acknowledge the reward? So it might be a little silent fist pump, or it might be just a feeling of, oh, I've got that out of my head. Or do you know what? I've really enjoyed that fresh air. But kind of consciously acknowledging it can embed the reward in that sense. The other thing with triggers is the best way to do it is to hook it onto something you've already done just before. So brushing your teeth, if you do that regularly, what what's the edge of that final thing? It might be push, put the toothbrush back down, dry your hands. Can you, can you build in something directly after it as a habit? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Um, yeah. Something, I'm using toothbrush because some of them do, but it's something else. Because if you hook it into something else, you then just need to practice it a few times to get a little bit of a groove to then run with it, you know? Yeah, I love that idea. And and toothbrushes are, are cleaning your teeth. Great example, because none of us were born knowing we needed to clean our teeth. And in well, fact, yeah. when we were kids, our parents, <laughs> uh, guardians probably had to say, oh, go and clean your teeth, Richard. And, you know, but then after a while, it became a habit and you just do it now. Come, you know, come whatever weather sort of thing. So, uh, yeah. 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 Talking of, of routines of that nature. Uh, I can recall when I was a, a managed service provider owner back in the day, I would often take work home with me. And what I mean by that is not taking the laptop or not taking the paperwork, but keeping stuff in my head. And as a result, I wouldn't get a good night's sleep. You know, I'd ruminate about things and then I'd be tired and then it becomes a, you know, a vicious circle. The next day I wouldn't have the energy because I'd not slept well because I'd been worrying about things and so on and so forth. Any tips on getting a good night's sleep? Because it underpins everything we do. Yeah. Yeah. Lords. And um, just on that note, I'm happy to share a little seven day audio course that I've got actually with anybody. If they, if they want, I've got a link. I'll, I'll share that with you. Wonderful. Um, we'll that, put that in the show notes for everybody yeah. to get. That's a free course, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty much basically a seven days worth of 45 minute 
sleep casts, I call them. Mm. I'm not trying to compete with Headspace or Calm. It's just to get you used to the different kinds of sleep practices that you can, can using sound, attention, that kind of thing. It's not meant to replace Calm or, you know, stuff like that. So if you've got yep. better things, great. But also seven daily little sprout-sized tips and thoughts, which are based around um, my my three Zs. I call it the three Zs to better sleep. Um, and the three Zs to better sleep are a foundation is the foundation is take off the pressure to be asleep because pressure and anxiousness about the quality of sleep and being asleep can totally undermine and exaggerate what we're doing. And actually what we need to focus on is just give yourself the opportunity for sleep, the space for sleep. And then in that time, do relaxing stuff, the conducive. So if you drop off, you drop off. So take off that pressure. So the three Zs pretty much are your sleep zone, which is your environment, you know, where, and, and we're habitual creatures. So we need an environment that cues us into that and doesn't confuse things. So when we go into say the bedroom, it's not cluttered up with the iron and hanging over the, the runner machine. Um, you know, it's kind of TV on the wall that signals watch TV. Now I'm not knocking TV. If it works for you and you sleep well, great, but don't fix it if it ain't broke, but confusing signals. So your sleep zone needs to be safe, reasonably clutter free. or just feel calm and familiar because that's the challenge of people who go in hotels is, you know, you kind of, your mind knows you're in an unfamiliar place. So it's going to be in that additional alert, which there's tips around that as well that I share. Sleep zone. So make it calm, familiar, safe, that kind of thing. Um, cooler perhaps as well, because that's, mm. that's useful. Interesting thing is um, if you have, if you like to be warm, um, if you warm your feet, but let your body be a little bit cooler, that can actually help with sleep. Um, because it's 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 the phenomenon of of the cooling side of it, and I'm not the expert in it. This is the research from the likes of Professor Matt Walker who wrote Why We Sleep, that kind of thing. So sleep zone, pre bed time routine. See what I did there? <laughs> Bad joke. But <laughs> pre bed time routine is critical, and it's it's often it's becoming more and more recognised. It's really important. It's what you do in the ten minutes to ninety minutes before bed. Now, if you hit the hit the bedroom at 100 miles an hour full on. Um, and you will struggle to create 90 minute bedtime routine, then start sprout size and just create 10 minutes. If you have to delay your sleep by 10 to 15 minutes to have a pre-Z time routine, that's fine. Because that pre-Z time routine is what sets you up for a better quality sleep later afterwards. And your pre-Z time routine, again, is around what do you do that is going to be regular and routine? So more more often than not, or every night, you do the same thing that's conducive to sleep. So reading a book, listening to a bit of music, perhaps an audio book, something that's low level, low light, not not stimulatory. So not scrolling through your phone generally. Um, something that does that. Cool yourself down. So have maybe you could have a warm shower, warm bath before, but allow the cooling process down and just get into that nice little routine. I always talk about dump things out of your head, get the cabbages out of your head as well. Because you talk about taking things home. We don't, you know, you may not be taking it physically home, but you're carrying the cabbages in your head. And yes, your brain is a rubbish cabbage storage device. It really is. So get the cabbages onto paper in your closing ceremony. Get them out there so that your brain knows, right? I don't need to juggle them in my head because it's down there safe. So that process of perhaps do that first, then do the things that signal you into oh, it's time for sleep. 10, 15 minutes is good. Lower level light, that kind of thing. So go from the white bright lights down to the warmer red lights down to lower. Um, and then your sleep zen, as I call it, is just setting yourself up for a good night's sleep or a good architecture for your day, as you, if you like. So it's it's when you get up, get some light and fresh air. Um, doesn't have to be a lot. Just get in the habit of having, even on a crappy 
cloudy day like it is today. There's more light coming in from that than there is from an office light, for example. Yes. So just get that fresh air in, fresh air into your lungs, uh, 10 minutes, and just stand outside and have a little bit of a sip your cupper at the door, have a look around, look up, you know, that kind of thing, and set your natural cortisol rhythms. And we won't go into the detail of that, but so that it spikes naturally in the morning, and then you give it the chance to drop through. Look at your stresses and challenges through the day, and that's where stop moments can be good because it's a bit like winding a watch up. If you keep winding it, winding it, it's going to snap. But those stop moments can help you just let it tick back down and just let the, the coil unravel a little bit, deal with whatever you need to. But so stress management can be useful, like managing the challenges, et cetera. Um, and then <clears throat> think about um, towards the evening, sort of mimicking that lower light. You know, if you if you're working on a, and I'm sure this is something that's probably familiar with IT, you can sort of do dark mode or night mode or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, Just yeah. darken down the lights. Don't have direct light into your eyes wherever possible. Have a lamp that's pointing down onto the work. Lower the screen level so that you're coming in, like the tanker coming into port, going back to the tanker, you're starting 10 miles out. So those kinds of things really help you build the architecture for your day. And then if you wake up during the night and you're struggling to get back to sleep, give yourself five, 10 minutes. And if it's not happening separate yourself from bed and find somewhere just sit slow, you know, calm to sit. Don't do work. Don't do that kind of thing. Just calm, sit, jot down what's on your mind, get it onto a note. You know, if it's on your mind, it has your mind, get it off your mind, listen to some music, just let the wave of sleep come back. Because when you move out of the bed, you break the, the association with bed and awake. Mm. What you associate is bed and sleep. So it's loads anyway, but I mean, that's where the, 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 I can share that audio quite happily with that. If you can stand to listen to me, you have to, the the owl we've been talking today. <laughs> well, listeners, if you want to take Dave Algio to bed, we will give you the link. We will give you the link. God bless for the, uh, for the sleep cast there. But all joking aside, it, it it's a phenomenal resource. So thank you for for giving that away to the community as well, because a lot of people, uh, myself included, um, have struggled with sleep, and so the resources that you put out there really do help. So. We're coming towards the end of our time together, but I don't want to go through an episode where we talk about health and wellness without talking about mental health. So let's talk about mental health for a moment. And I think, thankfully, attitudes have begun to change. Um, the IT industry is much more open to talking about things like depression, stress, mental health. You know, I've spoken openly at IT conferences and things about my challenges with lifelong clinical uh, depression, which is a chemical imbalance in the brain. Do you have any advice for listeners on coping emotionally and mentally? Because for me, unless your head is in the, the right place, Everything that we talked about here can can be 10 times harder to do, if not impossible. So talk to us about mental health for a moment. Yeah, yeah. And again, subject close to my heart, and we've had many conversations, haven't we? Um, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. We have mental health, we have physical health. Um, when we associate mental health, we often think about the negative, but it's about recognising that we'll all have bad days, we'll all have tough periods, and some of us are carrying sort of managing conditions as we go through life. Um, and the, the level of support, the level of things that we need to do can vary. So I always say, really, firstly, I, I, I think it's good that things are changing. We're open about it more and more. 
But sometimes I think we fall in the trap of, yeah, that's everybody else, but not me. So it's right. about just reflecting on yourself and thinking, you know what, it's okay. Psych support is really important. And that supports everything from me head's done in your fancy a cuppa. I remember during the lockdown, we had a, you know, you go for a walk and we do stuff that that call, um, you know, a, a chat over the phone. That's that's really powerful. So mm. everything from a cuppa with somebody, even if it's across Zoom, to you know, a mute, you know, a taking a break and having a walk with somebody to you know, a conversation with loved ones to seeking the professional help because it's a bit like your car. My car is a simple little mocker, but I'm not going to fix it myself if it needs something to do and I take it to a garage. This brain here is far more complex than anything out there on the roads. And yet we'll muddle on. We try to muddle on with it ourselves. So sometimes we just need a mechanic to help us get back on the road. Um, so yeah, so it's a range of things. So support is critical. Just being open and honest about it. And that's why we have these conversations, I guess, is to sort of make look... The people you would think, you know, like you said, just ordinary people are probably juggling a lot of cabbages we have no idea about. Mm. So it's okay. It's okay to talk and so it's okay to reach out. And then generally it's starting to just look, at, you know, sort of look at how am I coping? Not whether you're coping, because that's a big question as well. And whether you're, if you're thinking you're not coping, that's when you reach out, even if you need to dial 999 or Samaritans or something like that. But the, the point is the how you're coping is looking at what am I doing in order to cope? And knowing my warning signs, so if I'm shutting down, um, sh- closing down emotionally, if I'm working long hours just to get through, if I'm drinking, you know, or using eat food as comfort food, uh, lots of things, drugs, it could be anything really. But knowing your coping strategies and knowing whether the needle on the dial is more towards the negative than the positive is then important because we can then start to move that needle that way towards a positive. And there's loads of tips, there's loads of ways to do it. But first is get honest, be honest, and give yourself permission to be human. With yeah. physical, emotional, psychological creatures, these things happen. Emotions in particular tie in with our thoughts. And whilst we are not our emotions, we can get wrapped up in them. And we can sort of lose track of who we really are. You are not your emotions and your thoughts. And that's easy to say, not so hard to do at times. But being more um, honest about our emotions um open about them and then managing ourselves more more compassionately and that sounds easy it's a sound bite i guess for that point there's a lot more to it but um sometimes that's something like just give yourself a bit of positive kind self-talk sometimes it's about seeking professional support you know there's a whole range there yeah i'll share um about being open about this i'll share a, a personal story so i gave uh, i was interviewed a sit down fireside chat at the super ops summit msp summit in london last summer and uh during the conversation i actually mentioned you know my clinical depression and, and we had 100 plus people in the audience and i said the statistically you know there's at least uh, you know, 25% of you in the audience here who are coping with uh, mental health challenges or are not aware of it and are suffering from mental health challenges. And the interesting thing afterwards, uh, Dave, was that people came up to me, at least 10 people came up to me and said, you've got clinical depression, Richard. I was like, yeah, yeah. And they were like, I'd never have guessed. So, you know, the first thing is do not take for, for granted, you know, that other people are just coping and getting by. Um, so people have got very good at masking this shield in, in in some cases or just not giving any outward indication. And the second, second thing I'll share, there was four different um, uh, men 
who run MSP businesses came up to me after that event and shared with me that they were doing really, really poorly. Uh, and they didn't realize that they thought they were alone. So, my, you know, I think my message, and Dave, you'll probably echo this, is you are not alone, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I'm thinking back back in episode 65 of Tub Talk, I spoke to Chris Brogan about mental health for MSP owners. Uh, Chris is a New York Times bestselling author um, who has uh, struggled with uh, a, a depression for all of his life we talk openly about that so uh, please do not think you are alone and if you're listening to this and thinking i need to speak to somebody please reach out uh, and speak to somebody even if it's dropping an email to to me for some uh, some pointers they're happy and we'll include links in the show notes uh, to a whole catalog a library of advice we've got on mental health for, for managed service provider owners um so just check out that page and you'll you'll find resources that will help you there but dave thank you again for for speaking open and honestly about that really appreciate it so we've talked about gadgets we've talked about tech you and i both love our gadgets and tech as we come to the end are there any new pieces of health tech that you're exploring or might recommend to us and listeners um not per se um although i have got a a, a new spinning bike in the in the garage that uh, <laughs> i'm doing sprout sized sessions on 10 minutes here and there but no um you talk about focus and is it called newsfeed eradicator yes great tool now that's yeah. something i've i've kind of i picked up i've probably heard it a couple of times i finally did it um because i'm i'm on linkedin a bit i'm doing this i'm doing that inevitably you get sucked into that world and you know you're doing it and your stress levels rise whilst you're scrolling through because i know i should be doing something else so that newsfeed eradicate is brilliant because i go on i'll go on intended to put a post on and all i see is a nice little quote so for me that's just that's brilliant because you talk about you know we give ourselves permission to be human it's really useful just to have some out external things that just stop the friction before it starts you know yeah um, yeah we're not that's always a, at our best tool. it's easy to get trapped and, and sucked into these things you know so so yeah that's i guess that's my one little takeaway that i've found particularly useful these last few weeks i love that we'll um we'll include that in the show notes newsfeed eradicator i've yeah. used it for many many years on facebook although i don't really use facebook so much anymore but uh, i only found out i think it was a few months ago that it works on linkedin as well yeah. so yeah. saying you know i go on linkedin because i need to uh, post an update or catch up with somebody and then I'll get distracted by yeah. somebody saying, here's what's going on in my world. So Newsfeed Eradicator, really, really good for uh, for your focus there. And I would say, without demonizing social media, Dave, how many of us, especially on LinkedIn, especially on Facebook, will go on and if we're feeling a little bit low, we just talked about mental health, we will look and see that other people are doing what what we perceive to be incredible yeah. living their yeah. best life yeah. and we go oh and it just makes you feel worse and i think it was pastor stephen furtick and i'm going to butcher the uh paraphrase him but he said you know do not compare your backstage to other people's uh, uh front stage in yeah, other words, absolutely people show their highlights real uh online uh so yeah that's something so newsfeed eradicate a really good tool there um i, I we, we i can't move on without mentioning you and i had lunch and a healthy cheeky Nando's. It's yeah. said a few yeah. weeks ago we had a, a Nando's, and you told me you'd qualified for a CrossFit competition. Tell me more about that. Yeah, well, I I, I was not expecting to. Oh, the, with within the CrossFit, I'm kind of the community, etc. I, I love it because it's one of those things where you go 
you're told what to do. You don't have to think about it. And then the some of the exercises are technical and just take a bit of thought. So it's really absorbent. Um, so one of the one of my friends there, who's a um, used to run a gym, etc., said, "Do you fancy entering a competition? You know, together. We'll do it together as a pair, um, just for the experience. There's no chance you're going to get through. Um, you know, <laughs> which is kind of, you know." I think, to be honest, with managed expectations, but also reassuring in that sense. I thought, yeah, I, I would have a go um, without the pressure of thinking it. And didn't we just actually get through to the the, <laughs> the Northern Championships called in, in, and it's a written medals as in uh, February. Um, not up the top end, but in terms of the scaled group that we're at, um, Mark is far fitter than me. So, you know, he carried me in a, a fair bit of it. But it's interesting because what it then led to after the panic was over, kind of think, oh, it's quite exciting that, you know, and if I don't put the pressure on to be whatever, um, it's kind of just helped me focus in another layer of motivation, layer of reason why to do it. So, yeah. So scary because there's a few, there's a bit of work to do. There's a few techniques I still need to learn and pick up on before then, but I've got three weeks now to go. So working away on it. Congratulations. That's just an amazing story. I know you sort of picked that up as like a as a hobby and I know to, mm. to, to help with your health and well-being. And now you're qualifying for competition. So I will wait with bated breath to hear <laughs> how the results of the competition go in uh, February. But uh, Dave, this has been a phenomenal conversation and uh, I hope our listeners uh, agree with it as well. Um, you've shared so much value, uh, sh- so much information. As I said, you know, for anybody listening to this while you're out walking or driving in the car, don't worry about scribbling down notes. We'll include all of the links, every resource that me and Dave have mentioned on the show notes at tublog.co.uk. But Dave, uh, you know, I'd imagine there's going to be a lot of people who uh, have become big fans uh, of what you've of yourself, your work there. They want to check out uh, uh, what you're doing and how that can be helped by it. But if anybody wants to continue the conversation, how can they reach you? Yeah, well, firstly, thank you, Richard. It's great. I love I love our catch ups anyway, but it's lovely to to get into some of this. So thanks for allowing us to me to share it and to bounce these things around. I love the My conversation. Pleasure. So yeah, if anybody's interested, then uh, I've got the Restless Midlifer podcast. So it's Midlifer. Uh, podcast so just search for that um uh in your pod feed of choice or go on to midlifereshape.com it's on there uh or email me dave at restlessmidlifer.com um more than happy to have conversations i love uh as you can tell i just i love this whole area from a personal perspective but also sharing with others as well so thank you Wonderful, Dave. Thanks so much. And and for you, dear listener, you know, I hope this episode has been of value to you. Um, I can sit and, and listen to Dave talk for, for ages about these topics. Absolutely fascinating. And the link between business success and health and wellness as well. Please, 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 if you have found this episode useful, reach out to myself or reach out to Dave uh, and just let us know that you found it yeah, valuable. Because, you know, we often um, interview people on this show about managed services, about IT, about business. Uh, But I know, and I think, you know, the vast majority of people know now that, as I said at the start of the hour, being dead is bad for business. This is a key component of doing good business. But please reach out to us and let us know if you found this useful. Uh, Dave Algio, thank you for joining us today. That concludes today's episode. I'll look forward to speaking to you on the next Tub Talk. Hey folks, Richard here. Thanks for listening today. I know you've got a ton of options for who you listen to nowadays, so I really appreciate your support. Do you have any feedback on this episode? Ideas for future guests? Tweet me at Tublog using the hashtag TubTalk. I respond to every tweet and really appreciate your feedback. 